Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things, the podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we're two anxious counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. Join us. Yay. Yay. I was so excited to meet. And, and you're late today. I know because it snowed so much all last night and then today. And then it finished off the afternoon with a nice sprinkling of freezing rain Great. just to seal it all in. That sounds really safe. So I had to, after work, go out and like crack my car out of like a hard candy ice shell. Oh gosh, <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. And you know, my neighborhood, lots of people park on the street, Street, right? Yeah. So it's a lot of apartment buildings without garages. And so they plowed the shit out of my neighborhood today and just buried all the cars in. Uh, I felt, I feel bad for them. A lot of shoveling or as I saw one lady doing when I was driving home, kicking, she was just kicking the snow to get her car out. <laughs> See that? Yeah. I think like, a that's lot of one people, way to do it. A lot of people had snow days today. I did not. I had to work. Well, I hope you have a beverage I do. Oh, you do. Okay, good. The classic rainbow house wine. Very nice. I'm doing a belching beaver digital bath. The Deftones. Belching beaver. Yeah, it's one of my. Love that name. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, yeah, I mean, any check-in stuff other than scary, horrible drive home? That's like the main thing that's coming to my mind right yeah. now. I, I made a- it. There's been a lot of sketchy driving this year. I think more than last year. But like last year, people are from you. Like just like the conditions seem sketchier oh. this year. But then again, I didn't really leave the house last year, so I don't know. Maybe That's I'm true. just not remembering yeah, the way I, things are. I just didn't engage in the world during that time. Yeah, yeah. it's the lost year. The lost. Ooh, I like that. That needs to start being used more. The lost year. What about you? Oh, you were going to share about your 23 and Me. Oh, I was. I was actually going to wait till a check-in. Oh, well. Separate check-in where that's what I can that then. You can wait. Cool. I have my topic first. Oh, well, let's dive in, shall we? Shall we? So I think this will be a fun topic because it's something that we've kind of hit on in other areas and it just kind of makes sense that this is a topic at this point. Yay. I'm excited. All right. What are some of the things that you think little girls, I mean, and little boys, but more often than not, by the way it's angled, how that little girls dream to grow up to be for their careers, for their jobs. Oh, like traditionally, yeah, like if like, you're a teacher, mommy. What? No, I'm just thinking of like stuff little girls say because it's yeah. like socialized into them. I wanted to be a teacher at one time. I wanted to be a writer at one time. I wanted to be a veterinarian for a really long time (laughs) and then a fashion designer. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of phases. I think we both can agree that dance goes on there quite a bit, right? Like being a Mm. being Okay. So which, Oh, this is topical. (laughs) Well, sort of, it leads into cheerleading. Oh yes. So this cheerleading. is topic and I'm not talking, I'm not going to talk specifically about kids with cheerleading. Cause I feel like there's a lot of crossover between like gymnastics, mistreatment with kids. And I'm probably going to do a lot of personal disclosures. I'm so topic. excited. Were you a cheerleader? <laughs> Did you tell me that at one point? 
<laughs> no, I wasn't a cheerleader. But this is a good topic because I think you'll have a lot of opinions about it. No, I, I 100% have a lot of so opinions. I'm going to talk. Or I used to anyway. Yeah, I'm going to talk mainly about NFL level cheerleaders. Oh, pro cheerleaders. Pro cheerleaders. Like Dallas um, Cowboy cheerleaders. That level of like people who've made it a career. The Laker girls. Yeah, because um, and I'm specifically doing this because there is intentionally an image put forth that skews what is happening in the background in a lot of ways. And some of these things were like very eye-opening for me to find out. And I could only imagine being someone who dreamed of being, you know, a Dallas cheerleader their whole life or was a gymnast or a dancer. And then I heard it's highly competitive, very tough to get in. Highly competitive, very cutthroat for how they do do things like they'd that. be so, cutting the throats this is often um i watched a ton of um, interviews with people uh with current cheerleaders talking about like what brought them to that and it really was their dream growing up and like their passion their everything went into this so one um person who was trying out said that the interview process consisted of first of all there was an interview where they were brought on the stage in front of the, the group of people and were asked just like a random question. So having to answer a random question on the fly in front of people. And then number two, swimsuit. Oh, which isn't interesting, right? Like, so wait, it's like those, oh, like, what do they even call the Miss USA or yeah, whatever yeah. contest? So then they have to have a, a swimsuit portion and then the dance portion. So you're being judged for your wit and then your body and then mm-hmm. your dance skills. Yeah, I think it's, um, if you think about like NFL, these are people who are going to be in the public eye. So they want people who can handle themselves under pressure. um, and A spokesmodel, if you will. Yeah, do what they're told, right? Do you remember that used to be a category on um, that whole show, like the Ed McMahon, it was some kind of talent show. And that was actually a category, spokesmodel. Really? I didn't know that. I'm very bad with names though. So Ed McMahon in general is not ringing a bell. It was an old show, one of those like talent shows where they have different categories like singing, comedy, this, that, and spokesmodel was actually a category. I think so it was these ladies with like in that category, the evening gown, and they had to do that, that eloquent, well spoken, Mm -hmm. introducing the next show kind of performance. Cheerleading, I think people just kind of associate with, you know, the really short shorts and or underwear (laughs) and short tops and, um, on women, but cheerleading actually came from uh, Great Britain originally, like in the 1860s, and even came into the US, and it was a male dominated thing. And they actually found, um, or we're seeing that, like to keep the team spirits up, it was helpful to have the crowd cheering and engaged. So they would have men go out there and start chanting. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it makes sense. And so that's really where it came from was that that they would see increased engagement, increased revenue off of having the fans engaged with the team. Well, it makes sense. They wouldn't give an important job like that to a woman back then. (laughs) Right. And they'd be sure to fuck it up. And then it started transitioning um, to women over time, especially um, with uh when the war happened, less men available, and then women started kind of filling that role. Um, oh, I love a league of their own. It is kind of that same stance. There's no crying in baseball. Yeah, here. 
So one of the original, so that Princeton is kind of the OG for cheer, for cheerleaders. And oh. so the, the f- men's cheerleader uh, chant from 1884, and I don't know how this chant goes, but I'm going to try it. Ray, 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 tiger, 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 sis, 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 boom, boom, boom. Ah, Princeton, Princeton, Princeton. Sis, 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 boom, boom, boom. I have, that is completely wrong. But that, uh, you know, chanty. Very chanty. It's very chanty. And then, I have images um, of those long fur coats the men used to wear to the games oh. back then, the outdoor games. <laughs> yeah, stay and they would hold their little triangle pennant. In 1903, the University of Minnesota organized their first cheer fraternity called Gamma Sigma. Um, they like to use a megaphone to project their voice, which ended up being picked up and used. And so you see them with megaphones that actually came from Gamma Sigma. So 1920s is when women became involved um, and it actually started because it started getting more, um, they first started with ankle long skirts and like, I mean, it wasn't a showy thing. Again, it was just about getting people amped up and they started integrating um, things like gymnastics and dance. And that's when it started getting kind of flashier and fancier. It was modest times. Modest to show an ankle was quite scandalous. Correct. So let's fast forward to where we are now and talk about some of the common requirements that have been found in various rule books in the NFL. And I want to preface this by I like had no idea about how this worked, but each each football league is in charge of their own cheerleaders. So the NFL can create like a general guidance, but they really put it onto the individual leagues to decide what to do with their cheerleaders, which can create a lot of variances in how people are treated um, depending Mm -hmm. on where they go. So this is across from a variety of different NFL leagues. So not everyone has all of these, but these are the top ones that are pretty, um, offensive so the first one is that they can't talk to the football players at all mm. at all and actually one cheerleader um ended up suing the nfl because she was fired for just happening to be at a same party as a football player wow and that's it they like the football what is the reason behind that it's just it's a broad rule that They are not to talk or fraternize because these football players have wives and girlfriends and their public image is really important. And so they don't want the cheerleaders, those dirty cheerleaders to get involved or cause ruining their image. I mean, they may try to say, well, it's to improve the safety of the cheerleaders, but still like it, how come the cheerleader gets fired and the male football player doesn't even get talked to. Good point. What if they were dating though, they would still have to stay away from each other. I don't think that would be allowed from everything I read. Like this, it is very strict, very, very, very strict. And if it was, it would probably have to be something that was league sanctioned. Like it had to be approved at some probably point. have to sign a contract. Yeah. Actually, most of the uh, cheerleaders have to sign uh, the NDAs. So mm. a lot of what I have is kind of bits and pieces of what's been reported. Very few actually have names attached because they all have signed NDAs, which is a really bad sign for, um, you know, discrimination in general, in general, because it means they don't want them to talk about what's happening. Right. They don't want the word getting out. Exactly. So 
That's the first one, which also can include things like not making eye contact, like avoid eye contact with football players. It can also be um, they've been told, like, if you're in a restaurant and a football player and like the family comes in, you need to leave. Whoa. Yeah. Like, it's just not okay. I guess. It seems extreme. Right. And that's really like. Again, we have to keep in mind the pedestal that this position is built on. They spend their whole life trying out and get, like they may try out three, four times before they even make it if they make it. So once they're up there, they don't want to fuck it up. <laughs> so they really the NFL and the, the, the leagues are able to make these rules that are really outlandish and they'll follow them because they feel so they make them feel like they should be so honored and privileged to hold the position. Hmm. Sounds like a lot of power and control. Yes. I mean, I get an NDA, but (laughs) having to get up and leave when you're eating at a restaurant, that seems barbaric. A lot of, from what I read, a lot of these guidelines that were made are very fifties standards of the role that they want the woman to take so number two the jiggle test oh no so they will make in tryouts um or before a big game even they have to go out and do jumping jacks and things where they're going to be jumping and they get rated and judged on how much parts of their bodies jiggle and if it's too much or they don't like what they see then they may not get put into that next game I imagine some parts they want to have jiggly and some parts they don't want to have jiggly. Yeah, it's more it's the undesirable parts, you know, the the stomach, the, um, you know, if you have any back rolls, <laughs> anything happening that and you they do imagine. not probably want back rolls jiggly. No. I mean, these girls are these women are fit and athletic. And I mean, they often do like over 15 hours of training a week to keep up their physique. Um, One of the things that I read said that they have to, they have the three pound rule. They have to stay within three pounds of their ideal body weight. It's a lot of focus on appearances. Yes. Their ideal body weight too is often what is measured when they come in for tryouts. So you can imagine that someone coming in for tryouts is eating a very strict diet, like they know that they're being judged and then to have to maintain within three oh, pounds that's tough. for your career. Whew, I imagine rough. it leads to some unhealthy practices. Yes. Yes. They're I just have the Jell-O theme song now just in my head. It's the Jell-O a theme problem. <laughs> they also get fined if they like bring the wrong pom-pom set or they, um, they could be refused, like they could refuse to pay them for the the whole game because they didn't shine their boots before showing up. So very strict. And they'll often um, either request money from them or restrict their pay. Hmm. A lot of very financial consequences for mistakes. The 2019 handbook, um, this was for the Bengals team. So Bengals, you may hear about the um, Raiderettes, another team, uh, Buffalo Jills. Buffalo I've Jills. honestly never heard any of those terms. Okay. They're all the, the, cheerleading teams yeah i think it's just like dallas cowboy cheerleaders are so famous like that's that's a a household name well the buffalo jills i read a huge thing about them they actually um had a had a lawsuit against the buffalo bills about unfair treatment unfair payment and still to this day have not reinstated their contract um with them because of that so the buffalo jills aren't actually 
cheerleading for them because of that. What are they doing? Probably other things. Most of these people, from what I like, most of these people have to have other jobs. And that that brings me to this point that they are the least paid out of every NFL employee. You're that kidding. Includes, that includes the hot dog vendor. What? Okay. So minus the cost of, so many of them have to pay for their own. Like they have to have a set image. So some of them may have to purchase extensions for their hair. They always have to have a brand new manicured nail set. And many of them have to, again, some of this depends on oh my gosh. have to purchase that themselves. One reporting that it costs her over $4,000 to get the all tanning, the electrolysis, everything. the teeth whitening, the veneers yes, it's yes. on and on and, and they on have to pay for that themselves. And one reported that her pay after that was $2 an hour. Um, another one I read was $8 an hour and I couldn't find any that were more than that. I assumed they made a decent wage. No, there was one who, um, there, there was one link that had another lawsuit and they actually got up, um, and were pretty happy with getting, I think it was $9, which was the minimum wage, um, in that it was like $9, 23 cents or something. So they're not doing it for money. Then it's prestige. Yeah. It's, and they build it up as like. Um, you should be happy to be here and you are s- replaceable. So they're kind is, of holding on to it. Is this an end all career or does this perhaps stair step into something else well, afterwards? I, what I would say is be careful saying that to them. Cause I, I watched some tryouts. There's a show now that like does the cheerleading tryouts. I believe that one's actually, I think Dallas and um, someone shared that about her career that she was kind of hoping that this would be a lead into something else. And she was gone by the next, uh, like the next cut, like they're not friendly to you talking about anything other than being an NFL. They do not support professional development. No, they do not. Uh, some to try to meet that weight that we talked about are known to like turn up the heat in their car before like weigh-ins and stuff as they're outside, like trying to create their own saunas. Um, just really, and like you mentioned, probably other extreme diet things. Uh, let's see. So they also have to pay for their own NFL uniforms. Oh, which which I'm sure are very pricey around $600. And I forgot to mention that many of these um, teams don't pay them until end of the season. So they'll get around $1,500 at the end of the season. 600 actually seems cheap. I I would have thought it was more than that. Yeah. That's just what one person reported. Yeah. And they probably have to get multiple because you have your home outfit, you're away. And there are strict rules. You are not allowed, not allowed to eat in the uniform. You cannot be seen eating in the uniform or drinking anything other than water in the uniform, period. And you're not allowed to post pictures on social media of you in your uniform. So, just oh, that'd a, be the first thing I would want to do. Right? Like, you would think, like, oh, I, get to I know there, there's so many like ideals like, that would just come crashing down <laughs> that, like, you would picture it to be like. And that's what a lot of the women that I read who are no longer in it, but were in it. They were like, you know, I, at the time you couldn't convince me that it was a bad thing, but once you're either burn out and leave or you can't afford it anymore, or they fire you, then you kind of realize like, gosh, I wish I would have paid attention a bit more. 
So, mm-hmm. you know the Rockettes, Rockettes, the dance. Oh, yeah, they had to cancel their Christmas show because of the Aww, COVID. Did they? Guess how much they make? How much? They make around fifteen hundred dollars a week. Decent. Yeah. Right. So those are dancers. And most cheerleaders have, because nowadays they, they require them to have like gymnastics and dancing experience that these aren't just, you know, high school cheerleaders. So yeah, you got to be able to like flip around in the air and do all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one woman, I, she shared that, you know, it's very frustrating for her to be talked down to that for something that she trains just as much as a football player trains in a week for um, but to be paid so significantly less and be, to be treated so disrespectfully. Um, and I, and that's where I kind of felt, found the Rockettes comparison of, okay, well, where do people appreciate dancers? You know, and if you think about it, a NFL stadium, thousands of people compared to a smaller arena that may have hundreds. So you would think that they would be getting more money, not less. You would think. You would think not getting paid less than the hot dog vendor. Do they? I mean, if they weren't there, would fans miss them? I think so. Like, are the fans into them? I think that they have become a staple of what football means or what sports mean. Maybe they should unionize and strike. That is actually a huge topic. Um, Part of the problem gets to some of these other rules here, which is no gossiping or rumors. Oh, God. <laughs> to be seen and not heard. How do you enforce right? the shit? Right? Um, and I mean, there. so it's typically ones who have gotten in trouble and have been fired who try to seek, you know, money from that or whatever from that. Um, the ones who are in it, it's like they don't want to risk their job because that's what they're doing. The NFL is a big entity. So right now, um, one of the lawyers that I was, um, who's very involved in this, she, she says that a union would be a great thing for cheerleaders to protect them in a lot of ways. And it's just, they're not there yet because cheerleaders don't feel safe and they don't want to risk being fired. Yep. So she focuses mainly on the individual cases that are coming up, but hundred percent union would be ideal. So, because really they're, they're at the mercy of the football league. They also get rules on hygiene and are instructed on not just how to wash themselves, but what to wash themselves with. So they get that, you know, like don't use a loofah or a sponge because that has more bacteria. Um, How to properly shave, what to shave with. Like all the way down to those types of details. Hmm. Do you think that's too much? Do you think that's overstepping? What do you think? I mean, they have to be in close proximity. So, I mean, I guess it's important to not like smell, but. Well, I mean, you can't smell them on TV or up in the stands. Fair. Yeah, I agree. So I, I don't think it's that important. I think they're just trying to make them these idealized female images that you know don't smell or have body hair that don't exist yeah <laughs> yeah that don't <laughs> exist uh they're taught etiquette rules the bangla banglarettes specifically that um they're taught how to on body language they have to take classes on how to present with body language and they're told certain things like if 
um, what to say if someone touches them because they're not supposed to appear rude. Um, they're not supposed to be like, you know, security, get this guy. They have to be like, oh, that's not nice. Or like, oh, come stand over here for me. They're always supposed to be smiling and friendly, even mm. if they're being inappropriately touched, hmm. which is not good. Uh, they are also told not to sit unless an offici- officiate at the, like an official tells them to. So that can be three, three or more hours standing and working out. Always to look their best. They're not aware, allowed to wear sweatpants in or around the arenas. <laughs> right? <laughs> not funny. Um, many of them said that they were told that they're replaceable. The, the team calendar, I thought was interesting. Like, it'd be kind of cool to be in a calendar. And I was thinking you were in a calendar. Oh, my right? God. I was. I was yeah. July. Right at the crease, baby. Right there. So this is actually built into their contracts. They are forced to buy 100 of their own calendars at $10 a pop. What? And then and then they each, they could sell them for $15. So they're like, oh, you have incentive to make some money. But it, not that much freaking money. And they have to put out $1,000 out of their own pocket first. And, and selling your own sell calendar them. is kind of embarrassing. And that's what, yeah. One of them was like, it's really weird to sell my own calendar where I'm on the cover, where I have to buy my own. Yeah, stuff. that is weird. And that's that's just a requirement. So there was a meeting. I mean, that uh, sounds like Girl Scouts mafia shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, it, and yeah, one of them actually just reminded me. She was like, I don't understand why this is part of my job. I'm not a marketing person. Why am I being kind of put out there to peddle products with my own name on it that I have to pay for that I don't even get compensated for? Good point. Okay, I'm so sure the NFL players don't peddle yeah. any of the NFL no, swag. No, they don't have to go out there and sell their own no. calendars. Like, <laughs> Do they happen. even have calendars? I'm sure there's ca- like football. I'm sure my dad has a Seahawks calendar. I mean, are they posing like in sexy, playful poses? That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I really want that. Macy's dad, tell us. Tell yeah. us what's up. So, okay. There was an email that came out to one of the teams uh, on 329 on a Friday. Um, and they sent it out saying, we need to meet with the cheer- cheerleading team in 31 minutes. So the team leader was like, actually has a different job. Cause many of them have to have multiple jobs. Um, so she was like, I can't attend that. That's not professional to ask me to be there. Uh, so during this meeting, the, this was the first ladies of football is Washington's cheerleading squad. So her teammates filled her in on what she missed. It was a four minute webinar, which the team executive without his screen blocked off. So you couldn't see him. He told everyone that the first ladies of football would be put on quote pause. Everyone in attendance was on mute for the entirety of it and not allowed to ask any questions. And then the call was over and they were lost their jobs. So That's how disrespectful and, and replaceable they think they are. But this all came from, um, which is just crazy to me. So this came uh, less than six months after the Washington Post reported in August, so the August before, that the former cheerleaders appeared in lewd videos made of outtakes from their 2008 and 2010 swimsuit calendar shoots without their consent. Oh, so somebody 
was marketing that footage. Yes, without their consent. The Post also reported that um, the former First Lady of Football, uh, Tiffany Bacon Scourby, accused the team owner, Dan Snyder, of suggesting that she join his friend in a hotel room so they could, quote, get to know each other during a 2004 Mm. charity event. So he denied that. um, But then less than six months later, Black Screen dismisses the whole team. Covering his own ass. Ladies of football. This is a term for these mm-hmm. yes, NFL cheerleaders. This, this is their, that's their name. Okay. Their, their Got it. Your leading team name, first ladies of football. So um, they're still uh, not performing because of that. So in the past decade, several former NFL cheerleaders have sued over wage theft, unfair treatment, and toxic work environments. Erica Wilkins sued the Cowboys for wage theft in 2018. It was settled out of court. Lacey Fields was one of two cheerleaders to sue the Raiders for wage violation in 2014, settled out of court. Again, they're just throwing money at it. Maria Pinzone sued the Buffalo Bills for wage violations, alleging poor working conditions that same year. That's a still ongoing one. Um, and Kristen Ann Ware sued the Miami Dolphins for discrimination. And Bailey Davis filed a sex, discrimina- sex discrimination complaint against the Saints with the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission in 2018. Ware, who believes her workplace turned hostile after she opened up about a religious belief. So this one I thought was pretty interesting. She showed up to practice with a, um, gosh, what's the term? Uh, like a promise ring. Mm. And she was interrogated about that and uh, where most of it was like at a time when they were kind of getting ready for uh, tryouts. And instead of her like usual questions she would get about, you know, performance and her exercise routines, blah, blah, blah. She was being drilled and asked about um, why, why she had that belief system. Hmm. Um, And then she ended up not making the team. They have a type. Where so she believed that was a hostile work environment and that that they turned her down because of her religious beliefs. So Davis actually she offered to settle the lawsuit for one dollar, one dollar in exchange for a meeting with the NFL commissioner Roger Goodell. Because she wanted to show that if they were willing to talk about the betterment of protecting and enhancing the sport for women as cheerleaders that that would do more good than money would. So <laughs> uh, he didn't attend, but he sent his lawyers. Uh, well, I hope she didn't she's settle. Still working. She's still working with the lawyers. She is. Um, huh. But it is a snub still. That he Clearly. Yeah. Attend. yeah. And to keep in mind, like, it's not, uh, I mean, it's not that much for them to get paid fairly it's not like it's a charity right like they they make so during the first ladies of football that league from 2001 to 2011 she said during um melanie coburn during her time as a marketing director the squad's revenue grew from 20,000 to over 300,000 a year through paid appearances and sponsorships hmm. and they get well, paid pennies. I mean, the NFL has a marketing machine. If they wanted mm-hmm. these cheerleaders to make more money, they could. Yes. They absolutely. could make that happen. Mm-hmm. And they're making money. 
And, you know, in addition to their own money, so that 300,000 is them, but part of what originally started cheerleading was the idea that it increases fan engagement, which is butts in seats. It increases the morale of the team, which means better games. So to just say that they're there to look pretty is not fair. So they're being taken for granted. Their importance is being taken for granted. In a, in a ton of ways, yes. And I think the biggest issue is the um, really the sexual discrimination and the, um, like, they get touched inappropriately, uh, inappropriately a lot by people, by fans. Um, some people yell horrible things at them, and they just have to be sweet and smile. So um, one person shared that, She said, when you have a push-up bra and a fringe skirt, it can sometimes, unfortunately, feel like it comes with the territory uh, to be subjected to offensive sexual comments or unwanted touch. Labria Lee Holt, a former cheerleader for the Tennessee Titans um, in the NFL, said, I never experienced anything where someone on the professional staff or team said something or made me feel uncomfortable, but you definitely experience that when you encounter people who have been drinking beer, which is at almost every game. Yeah. Team officials are aware of the situations, but do little to prevent harassment. Cheerleaders are the most professional sport. Um, they're really the, if you think about like sports, they engage with fans more than any other sport. Like I can't really think of a sport where you are, you know, asked to, you know, paid to be photographed with the fans and having them potentially like arms distance from you while you're doing the thing you're doing. Except roller derby. That's true. But they're scared of us in roller derby. We weren't paid. No, we weren't paid. We paid to play. We did. Big difference. Yeah. Also bad, but, you know. And we're real stinky. Yeah. I don't. So I think if anyone wanted to get close to us, yeah. Yeah. Well, a pox on them. Right. And, a former cheerleader for the Redskins said that she and five teammates were sent to a fan's home where several men were drinking and watching a football game and were told to keep them entertained. Um, they were, they would often go be told to go to parking lots and tailgates to socialize with fans. Um, so they often went in groups to feel safer. Uh, Ms. Holt said, there's no protection from it. You have to run around to the tailgates. You have to go to the tents. You're instructed to mingle with the fans, shake the pom-poms, and you sometimes get the disgusting old men who've been drinking and will say something inappropriate. It is common, and the industry knows that. And so to have things like NDAs um, really makes it a red flag of there is a problem that is known, which means you're liable if something happens. And an NDA means that you're keeping people quiet to not take responsibility. Yeah. For for better culture practices. Someone should do an expose with a secret hidden camera and release the footage. There is a a documentary um, called a woman's work. That's about NFL cheerleaders that may be good to, to watch as well if you're interested. Mm. But um, just to kind of shine a light on the, the backstory of what, what's happening. And, you know, many people love being part of it. But it's, it's 100% true that they're not getting paid well, being mistreated, and have been accustomed to a culture where they shut up about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So was that what you were expecting from a cheerleader topic? Um, well, I didn't know you were going to talk about NFL. Uh, NFL. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You're thinking the littles. Well, so my connection is my little sister was a cheerleader mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. She was a cheerleader from kindergarten all the way through senior year of high school. So very much into that world, you know, even traveled internationally for cheer competitions mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, unrelated, when I was in high school, I hated cheerleaders. I hated them, hated them, hated them. I feel them. like I had, a, I had that too. I know I didn't really have a reason. <laughs> I just hated them on principle. And mm-hmm. once I tried to super glue them all to the floor Wait, as, a, as a shenanigan. This is one of those Naomi tells a secret <laughs> moments. So I was outside of class uh-huh. per usual when I was supposed to be in class. And all the cheerleaders, like they had a block of lockers. So they like had their whole section. And so I took all the super glue right before they got out of class and like sprayed it all on the floor in front of their lockers and then ran away. And the idea in my mind is that they would like stick to it and like not be able to move. Like I had it all in my mind, like (laughs) Like, how it would work out kind of like a cartoon paper. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what actually happened because I ran away. Because they, they didn't stick. I don't know. You, they, they might have then. In my mind, they did stick. And it created a lot of problems, at least for their little kids. Or for the janitor. <laughs> Probably definitely <laughs> for the janitor. Sorry, janitor. Sorry, janitor. Yeah, honestly, I started looking at this topic. And I would only get the bright and shiny NFL cheerleader side on YouTube. Or I'd get really, like, horrifying children ones and i watched the one where they force the girl into splits um Mm. and like i couldn't even watch it like it makes me so mad makes me like so angry and yeah so to me it was like okay i've I've had the topic of gymnastics before so you know another sport of abusing children into things they don't want to do and was a little more curious about well how how do you come from that into just a perfect career as a cheerleader and found out that it's not so perfect. It's not so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to, if it. I ever watch a football game again, I know I'm going to look at look it differently, them. right? Yeah. I'll pay more attention. Oh, I saw one, one video I looked at, like the football player was running to like catch the ball and he's going out of bounds, but like clearly isn't going to hit her but she had her back turned to him and he went out of his way to grab her and tackled her down onto the ground. Um, and then like got up and laughed and, and she's just like, but could you imagine like the force that he hits her with? Like oh that God. could hurt her. They're like, huge. The announcer and in gear and the announcer yeah. like, Oh, if that were us, we'd be hurt. And she's having to be out there and like, you watch her face and she's like shocked. But then she's like smiling and like, ah. Oh, it's all fine. Yeah, and you can imagine she's sitting there like, am I going to get fired because he came up and tackled me, like joke tackled me? Like you could see on her face so many mixed emotions. and Shock, horror. Yeah, and I just have like new, like there's new depth there for what's happening. Yeah. All right, it's your turn. Interesting, interesting, love it. All right, well, I told you last time what I was going to 
cover this time. Forgot. Satanic panic. Oh, yeah. Baby. Good. Awesome. Excited. Okay. So uh, this is interesting. I learned stuff that I didn't know. I didn't know a lot about it, just sort of like surface stuff. Yeah. And like, I know the words satanic panic, but mostly from you. It's a nice rhymey term. It is. That sticks mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. So this, of course, comes from the 80s, as a lot of things as do. Most, as most things <laughs> do. As most fucked up things do. So this was a moral panic, it's called, that consisted of over 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse. So this is ritual sexual abuse. And that started, this started in the 1980s, and then it spread through other parts of the world, like Canada, the UK, kind of, you know, US sort of similar worlds. Um, And some aspects still persist today. I didn't get into that aspect of it, but um, is it called Canon? Is that how you pronounce that group? QAnon, something? QAnon or cannot it's like a yeah. right-wing yeah. conservative group so you. apparently that's like persisting this but i didn't get into that aspect so this originated with a book that was written by a canadian psychiatrist named lawrence pazder it's called michelle remembers oh. and this was about his patient and future wife, shame, shame, Lawrence no, no, Pastor, no, no. which used the practice of recovered memory therapy to help his patient and future wife recover all these memories of satanic ritual abuse. We know in psychology that memory, what is that like? Memory recall is very iffy. Yeah. So I got a little excerpt from the APA, American Psychiatric Association on that, on recovered memory therapy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a form of treatment specifically designed to elicit from the client forgotten or repressed memories of traumatic childhood events, such as sexual abuse. Therapeutic techniques include hypnosis and guided imagery. The therapy is controversial. Freud kind of spearheaded a lot of this, right? Oh, I'm sure. With uh, hysteria. Hysteria. Fuck youth, Freud. So this therapy, though, provoked a lot of accusations and legal disputes. Um, And so the clinical validity of this method has been called into place. So... proponents of this therapy claim that the traumatic memories can be buried in the subconscious and that these memories are legitimate memories that are recovered by these techniques. But I, for one, wouldn't be doing this therapy and I'm sure it's against our ethics of the, we, we follow the ACA American counseling association ethics. Hypnotism always kind of freaks me out because I feel like it it, it stands on a close line. <laughs> it, does. it really does. It really does. 
so hypnofury hypnofury episode hypnofury yeah you did hypnosis and i talked about Mm -hmm. furries that was a good episode (laughs) so these reports of abuse occurred in the context of the occult or satanic rituals and in its most extreme form the allegations involve a conspiracy of a global satanic cult that involves the wealthy and powerful world elite in which children are abducted or bred for human sacrifices, pornography, and sex trafficking. So that last bit is more like the modern bit of it. So let's go back to the 80s. Let's go back to 1980, in fact. So a professor of sociology at Grand Valley State University named Mary DeYoung said that this time kind of made was a time period ripe for a panic to happen because more women were going back to work either by choice or necessity. Um, The women's rights movement was coming up, you know, equal rights. And there was also a recession going on. So some women just wanted to pursue careers and some women had to go into work. So that means putting your kids in daycare, right? If you have kids. Yeah. Expensive, and at the same time, conservatism, conservatism, really emphasized a nuclear family that gotcha. you know yeah. women should be home taking care of the children. So there's already those seeds of a, yeah. a big moral dilemma. Maybe that's why people in the NFL industry are so against professional cheerleaders and paying them well because it's like a direct controversy with their uh you know satanic panic belief that the woman should be at home in the kitchen but they want to see them also in their underwear so it's a it's a with the jigglies it's a conflict they need to do the jiggle test at this time also this is when mandatory reporting laws began to be implemented oh i didn't know that lined up then yeah so it's like this perfect storm Mm-hmm. So at the same time, you're seeing this increase in child protection investigations and a heightened public awareness of child abuse. There's a lot of messaging going out that didn't occur before. And some children in child protection cases began making allegations of horrific physical and sexual abuse by caregivers that were within these organized rituals. So these satanic rituals that involved satanic symbols and these so-called satanic practices. Who was report? Sorry. Who was reporting them? Well, okay. l- let me tell you here. Okay. All right, all right. I'll be, I'll show you this picture. Um, so kids are reporting, but then also adults are recovering these childhood memories at the same time. Okay, so it's front. Okay, okay. Got so it. this is all happening at once. Here, let me show you this this picture. This is the McMartin Preschool. So it's like one of those home preschools. See a lot of them. I can't see what. Right, if you're showing me something, I can't see it. You can't see it. You're not sharing it. No. Oh. All right, we'll just picture a house. <laughs> okay, I can do that. House in California. <laughs> okay. So in the summer of 1983, 
a woman in Manhattan Beach, California, accused an employee at her son's preschool, McMartin Preschool, of sexually abusing him. The boy was having nightmares and, and having difficulty sitting down. So after this happened, the police sent a letter to all the families that were involved in this school, so about 200 families, and asked them for help with their investigation. So parents were asked to question their children about sodomy, oral sex, and fondling. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> wow, okay. What are, your, what are your thoughts about that approach? I mean... My thought is that it's good to talk about talk to your child if you have concerns about your child. Um, I don't think it's good to just talk to them and make them assume that you think there's some sodomy going on. Exactly. So these are it preschool kids. Them. Keep in mind. Yeah. It's the scary. little littles. They don't understand what it means. All they understand is that that their parents are anxious and upset. So the police chief wrote, the following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your children, as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if she has been a victim. So you're freaking out parents now. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh my God, has something happened to my child? And they're gonna and they're being directed to question their child about it, to interrogate their child. And they're not professionals either. And nor have they probably been given education. They were just told to question. I mean, as as a parent, how would you even go about asking your child about sodomy, oral sex, and fondling? Like Yeah, I mean, even like just asking about it is like I don't know. Like, what What if they say, what if they say yes? Mm. Let's hear what happens if that is the case. So this case blew up across the country and incited a panic that thousands and thousands of kids across satanic the country were being. Satanic panic, perhaps? A satanic panic that thousands of kids across the country were being ritualistically sexually abused. And in fact, um, when one of the news stations 2020 did a report, they showed a map of the country with all the dots where the reports were happening. It was like the whole, it was, it was like an early COVID map, you know, like, oh my God, oh. this is growing. I so like the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of our culture now. <laughs> it is. So most of the disclosures about the Martin preschool case came from a child abuse prevention Institute. So these kids were like referred to this Institute that had therapists working and the therapists were given the task of interviewing the preschoolers schoolers and they filmed the interviews and they used puppets to help the kids explain what happened. The therapists really felt like they were unlocking quote unquote, the abuse, but analysis of these interviews since then has really shown that the therapists were unintentionally coercing the children into disclosures. That's, and that's what I had found in past research on the hysteria with Freud was that um, a lot of it ended up just being coerced memory. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in the interviews that were filmed, the questions are repeated over and over until the child gives the correct answer. So in my mind, the therapists are biased. Yeah. Well, and it reminds me a bit of the, um, what's it called? The, uh, there was one topic about where the police were interrogating someone until they gave a false confession. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. I think it's happened more than once on our topics. (laughs) Probably. So the techniques involve leading questions and pressuring. Um, And those, those techniques are shown that they can actually create false memories. And in kids this young, the false memories actually can become permanent memories. So it's, it's creating a memory of something that never happened. And that's what I think people maybe don't fully understand about what is a, what is a false memory. What is memory? yeah, Yeah. What is memory in general? It's not like, it's not just, it's not knowing that you're lying and lying. It is recreating a scene out of different things that might exist in mm-hmm. your mind um, and allowing the concept, <gasps> right? Left brain, left yeah. brain, making logical sense out of the random pictures that the right brain might be throwing. Right. Trying to reason it out. Yeah. That maybe actually aren't connected, but your left brain wants to make connection out of it. Look at us. Look at us Ah, doing the things. Man, that felt good. Keep going. Okay. (laughs) We're on a roll. So this case was a national spectacle and prosecutors pursued it despite growing doubts about the original accuser's story and a variety of fantastical claims from interviews. So it started to get crazy. So goat men were involved, bloody animal goat sacrifices. Goat. Goat men. A goat man. A goat man. It's a cryptid. There's a goat man. There is a goat man. Okay. Yeah. Um, bloody animal sacrifices, a school employee who could fly. Oh, that sounds handy. Be and back. acts of violence that somehow left no physical trace. Okay. So the you. physical evidence wasn't really lining up with these stories. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, we both worked at the high school. If you tried to get in or leave right when the school buses are there, it'd take you like an extra half an hour to get out. Right. Yeah. So flying would be really effective because you could just fly out and skip the buses. I would I always just try to being effective. scoot out like, two minutes ahead of everybody else and like race yeah it's like get out there before the bell was the key yes and And don't park in any of the spots where the parents line up or you'll be blocked in Mm -mm. no but park it yeah and even parking in the teacher's parking lot was very sketchy i saw many cars get scraped by the kids because they know it's faculty parking lot Ah, rude right i like to park in the student parking lot because you'd actually get no i always parked in the bus. student parking lot too sorry that was a tangent to say that oh it's because flying and school flying employees would be great That's triggered all. that thought i'm just saying i don't think it should be a negative so this trial wouldn't end for years um and prosecutors around the country started dozens of cases similar to it so very credible seeming people were saying occult ritual abuse is all around you. We've seen it and the signs are visible if you know how to look for it. 
so this was like being put out there as a thing is a thing like let's talk about signs and symbols of satanic i haven't learned these ritual so I, I feel like I abuse need to be yeah we well, probably know some devil's horns right oh um, yeah rock on yep. rock on well that would not have been taken as lightly by people that were panicking about the satanic king so i don't have anything to say other than that would be frustrating <laughs> to me because no, i'd get in trouble just knowing that i can't do it means i'm going to do it more so every agent FBI agents, police officers, lawyers, social workers were all trying to gather this information and they would share it. This was, you know, pre-internet. So they were sharing it like conferences and seminars and sending it out through snail mail. We're counselors now. Like, could you imagine being a counselor in that era? Like, that'd be wild. Wild, yes. Because it gets pushed as in, like, what was the APA doing back then? (laughs) Like, where are these bigger psychological and it was wild like were they were they saying (laughs) the same things were they like ask your child about sodomy or i don't know i mean there i mean as we know our field has seen some fucked up shit and fucked up shit still goes on it's not over absolutely i ran across a little treasure it's called the Occult Criminal Investigation Reference Material from the Michigan State Police Child Abuse Unit from November of 1988. Wow, that does, sounds like a gem. Are you excited? Yeah, tell me about it. I'll share some. I mean, it's 37 pages. Don't mm. worry. I'm not going through it all. I've got time for that. But uh, I'll just scroll through and, and grab some highlights. Cliff Notes version. <laughs> so... Satanists and witches celebrate eight major Sabbaths during the year. And then it lists them. Halloween is one. The equinoxes, the solstice. Oh. Uh, the most significant, though, Halloween, May Eve, summer solstice, winter solstice. May Eve, is that because of Tauruses? Is it our fault? It's, it's us, yeah. It's our fault. <laughs> it gives you clues to look for in a crime scene investigation. Wait, no. Oh, wait, you're going to list off clues? Yeah. Sorry. I got got ahead of myself. Go on. So this is what you would look for if you're looking to see if this is a case of satanic ritual abuse. Okay. A mockery of Christian symbols, such as an inverted cross. Discovery of candles or candle drippings. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I have a candle making (laughs) kit in my house. Satanist. Satanist. Use of animal parts such as feathers, hair, and bones to form signs and symbols on the ground. Never done that to be. So, if you're perhaps making a pentagram out of some feathers, like watch out. Didn't your son do that? Yes, and I I lost my shit that day. That was one of my less stellar parenting moments. I lost my shit. You would have been institutionalized. He made a summoning circle right. And I mean, it's still there. It's covered by a rug now, but right where you stand to do the laundry. The part that pissed me off the most. Do you think, wait, was there any chance that he was trying to summon you away? (laughs) Knowing that you'd be there doing laundry. (laughs) The part that pissed me off the most was that he took my great grandmother's special candles and like included (laughs) it in this thing. Also, I, that was the part that That's I was the maddest sign. about. Like, That's a sign. do not bring 
dead grandma, grandma Bessie into, into, the, into this. Uh, yeah, I was just more mostly mad that it was in my shit. <laughs> okay. In your own room, bring the demons in there. That's fine. Rooms draped in red or black. I had red curtains for a long time. Might I remind you, this is the 80s. That Those colors, red, black, and white, were the color scheme of many rooms in the 80s. Were they? I, I, you say, may I remind you? I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know why I would know. I was born in 88. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the prime red, black, and white. Was it? Right. Yeah. Just and in fact, if you, if you see robes, especially black, white, or scarlet, you know you're in the den of a Satanist. So there's stuff about homicide investigations, what to look for, such as bloodletting, human or animal feces consumed or found on victims. Stomach contents should be analyzed for urine, drugs, wine, and potions. Potions mean, how do they know by assessing someone's stomach content? that things were potions versus I don't know I don't I don't know if you find is, parsley sage rosemary and thyme is that a peter paul and mary potion I think it's interesting and um, I was very pleased that I was able to find an actual document because you know how I get upset when I can't find source material and Mm -hmm. when the internet has been cleansed of things historical you're frequently upset yeah so it does cover this look out for this the horned hand it's called is the sign of recognition between those who are in the occult um of course it covers 666 of course. I don't of course, know the um, connection between 666 other than, you know, obviously. It's the number the of the beast. Is it like that's part of, that's like his name? I think I've seen in a. Um, well, I, t- I talked about it in um, the Aleister Crowley episode. Um, Remember he called himself the beast? The beast. Yeah. It covers the anarchy symbol. Which was I thought was interesting because yeah, I associate which, that with like with you. Punk. I associate on oh, me, you. yeah, that's my so, spirit yeah, symbol. Naomi, who is aka Sweet Tart in Roller Derby, always I'm sharing this so you just take a moment over there. <laughs> um, she would always have the anarchy symbol written in permanent marker on her arm because we would. So we're poor like cheerleaders, <laughs> and we, we would have to write our numbers on our arm in permanent marker. For the refs to see and so she would put her number um 18 and then the anarchy symbol at top because that was also the sign for like the team the, um, alternate. the alternate you had to captain. designate a c for captain and a for alternate yes so she would often hold the anarchy a i did i held the a yes and i can't draw them well we established that we often started giving it to someone else because i would make them look silly <laughs> <laughs> And not punky cool. <laughs> it has. You have to do the out of the bounds lines just you right. Say, you would say that, and then I would try it, and it would then it would look forced, <laughs> and <laughs> nobody forces an anarchy. Sometimes. No, oh, that's know. not anarchy, and it can't be precise either. That's not anarchy. That's why the lines of the A go outside the circle. 
I mean, this document is fucking fascinating. I'm obviously going to download it and really... save it forever because yeah. it won't be there anymore. You should send it to me. Well, I'm going to share it with my son, too, because he's interested in this stuff. Yeah. So it goes through everything, all the different um, symbols. It's it's quite actually it super duper ago. fascinating. The 1980s is not that long ago that like there was literally a guidebook on how to, you know, find the Satanists. <laughs> Yeah, uh, crazy. There it has different alphabets. One of them they share is the Hebrew alphabet. I'm like, what? Oh, but okay. Oh. <laughs> you know, has the runes. I mean, this is this thing is gold. That's great. Do they have anything about like uh, gemstones <laughs> from our our gemstone topic? Crystals, um, crystals. Well, I mean, sorry. They probably do. They have, uh, I mean, they talk about bowls of salt. I have a cup of salt. <laughs> so they talk about occult activity, like how you know. You, groups usually meet once a week on a Friday or Saturday night, often using abandoned schools, churches, or farmhouses. Ooh, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like teenagers <laughs> drinking and doing drugs. <laughs> sacrifices of dog cats or goats are common accompanied by strange language okay but is it like common amongst all possible satanic things or just common amongst people he raised (laughs) valid questions most groups range in size from 12 to 30 people that's so specific wait most groups are between 12 to 30 yeah that's like really big out doing the activities but that's like more than even like a group of high schoolers getting. But together. this document acknowledges that since activity is veiled in secrecy and clouded in darkness, wait, <laughs> it makes confirmation. Wait, pause, 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 pause. Do they actually use the words "clouded in darkness"? Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is a quote: "Veiled yeah. in secrecy and clouded in darkness." Uh, subtitle on whatever this guide is that also in the cheerleaders guidebook (laughs) yes keep your actions and yes 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 so here's specifically how you know if your preschool aged child has been involved in satanic ritual abuse preschooler oh abuse okay sorry yeah it's about to get mad um I can't even say this is so stupid. Um, Use of words for urine and feces that are not used at home, especially baby words like poo-poo. Right. But they're... How does that mean you're involved in satanic ritual abuse? I don't get it. I don't get it. That might say poo-poo. Sometimes I say poo-poo and I'm an adult. Preoccupation with passing gas. I mean, fuck. <laughs> These guidelines are getting a little broad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel targeted? I don't want to say anything oh my else gosh. that may incriminate me. Oh my gosh. This is <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff is valid, like a possible sign that your child has been sexually abused, but yeah. some of these are just ridiculous. ridiculous. What are the, what are some of the the ones that you're like, these are more legit? Just legit. Like um Child's level of emotional or behavioral disturbance, or you know, it seems inconsistent. Yeah, like a change. 
Yeah. Marked change of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. But odd songs or chants by the child that are sexual or otherwise bizarre. You know. Odd chants. I mean, discussion of being taken to people's houses or other locations, such as junkyards, churches, hospitals. That is not normal. I mean, yeah, let's be concerned for any child that that's happening with, please. Yeah. Bruising in a pattern, especially on the back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if your kid has 666 on them, tapped out right. on their back. Yeah. So, I mean, some of this stuff is legit, but some is just like, what in the hell? Just bizarro. Bizarro. So, I was pretty stoked to find that document. Yeah, no, that's pretty awesome. Um, so remember we talked about Geraldo Rivera in my last topic? Yeah. So he comes up again this week for Satanic Panic. Really? Okay. Okay. In 1988, NBC did a special, well, Geraldo Rivera did a special of, on Satanic Panic, and he actually interviewed Ozzy, who, oh. you know, defended his music, and it was really popular. So Ozzy was, I mean, he still brings the Satanism in, but, you know, that all started as like a misunderstanding that when he bit the first head off the bat, he didn't realize it was a real bat. Really? Yeah. And so he, he told, he thought it was like a rubber bat and then he told Alice Cooper, what happened? You know, school's out for the summer. Alice Cooper. And Alice Cooper was like, just go with it, dude. Like, this is going to be your thing. And it's true. Like, the Dark Prince, like, he's been able to, like, just ride this whole image. And yeah, after that, he knowingly bit the head off real animals. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But, But you know, it was kind of, it started off kind of like, a ploy and, and he like got like into a, it. a catchy gimmick yeah i mean i really i don't think he's really worshiping the devil though he did just say that satanism um has protected him from covid he did just come out with that statement recently so he's not the only musician who's been accused of satanism lady gaga accused really really yep because a maid said that she bathed in blood as part of a satanic ritual in a London hotel. Oh. Iron Maiden, of I course, number of the beast album, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. OVS. Um, Jay-Z and Beyonce. Really? Back what? in Is the, remember like the early, like this was kind of to me, like the heyday of conspiracy theories Yeah. when so many good ones were out. So there was the whole thing that they were like Illuminati and um, that, you know, Blue Ivy's name spelled backwards is Lucifer's daughter in Latin. Okay. And there, there are some other things. There's some other evidence that came out. Evidence. Uh, and then remember when I talked about Alistair Crowley, how Jimmy Page bought his former mansion where he was trying to summon the devil. So that obsession with 
that occultist kind of brings up like oh was led zeppelin and they i think they recorded one of their like albums too in that house or something like that so there's some possible connections and we talked last time when we briefly mentioned satanic panic about you know the records playing backwards i learned the term for that it's called back masking Back masking. I've never heard back of that masking. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to play any of these or anything, but there's some videos out there where they actually will like play all the like classic albums that are accused of, you know, having these satanic messages. It's like the Beatles. It's all a lot of famous bands. Yeah. And when they actually like without knowing what it's supposed to say if you're actually just hearing it it, it's pretty far-fetched actually Yeah, that kind of goes to that confirmation bias right of like you hear what you're you know supposed to hear and then you hear it and you may hear bits of that because you're already thinking it yes it's like those ghost hunting shows where they play like the (laughs) the spirit box where it's supposed to be like ghost talking and then but they tell you they put the word the subtitle of what it's supposed to be saying like, if Phasmos. that wasn't there, I wouldn't hear shit. Phasmos is a great <laughs> horror game, by the way, if anyone's interested. And yes, there's a spirit box that you do that exact same thing. You're like, I hear anything. So know. Procter & Gamble uh, was accused of having their logo be the symbol of the devil. And they actually ended up changing their logo because it turned into a whole thing. It's a Even bearded man. In the moon and then 13 stars and like parts of his beard have, you know, you can draw over it and it's like 666. And also the, st- the stars, if you draw over them in a certain way, it's 666. So they actually did change their logo. But go Procter & Gamble secretly, quietly, well, not secretly, but quietly in 2013. Crowded in secrecy. And darkness, they put a crescent moon back in their logo. Oh, look at that. I love that. I mean, like, I want to say, like, who cares? But it's a moon, people. I mean, who cares? But I think, (laughs) I don't know. I just don't want that to happen again. (laughs) (laughs) So here's like the, like the summary. In 1990, a jury acquitted the McMartin preschool defendants on some charges and deadlocked on others, saying it was impossible to determine the truth from a child's testimony. A second prosecution ended in mistrial. And after prosecutors spent $15 million, they finally dropped the case. Is that taxpayer money? Yeah, and could you imagine, too, being the caregivers or, like, the babysitters that are being accused of these things? Your life is destroyed. Yeah, and, I mean, really all on the back of we don't really want our women to go back to work. So, obviously, them being kids being with other people mean that they're being raped. Yeah. I mean, even if you're found innocent, that accusation stands you. Yeah. And like just having someone like if you found out that your babysitter was being, you know, accused of that, even if you didn't know the outcome yet, would you still let your child be seen by them? No, probably not. No, 
Not I'd want a fresh for start. Sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hundreds of people were charged with crimes over the course of the satanic panic and dozens were actually convicted. So they're not still in jail, are they? Well, did you ever see the documentary, the West Memphis three? No, I highly recommend it. It's super good. So these were three Arkansas teenagers who were finally freed in 2011, almost 20 years after they were convicted of murders that the prosecutors portrayed as a satanic sacrifice. Really? I highly recommend that documentary. It's so good. What's it called? I've forgotten the matter of fact. West Memphis 3. West I'm right. Yeah. yeah. In 1992, Mr. Lanning, an FBI agent, released an investigative guide that explained his skepticism of satanic abuse claims. Two years later, researchers with the National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect found that investigators could not substantiate any of the roughly 12,000 accusations of group cult sex abuse based on satanic ritual. In a few instances, apologies followed, including from Geraldo Rivera and Kyle Zerpolo, one of the former McMartin students who said he made the allegations up to the police. I lied, he told the LA Times. It was an ordeal. I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to get out of here unless I tell them what they want to hear. Goodness gracious, people. Goodness. Why don't you just calm the fuck down? Let people so listen to it. their rock music and go to work. That's right. <laughs> well, until next time. Oh, God. We haven't done this for a while, I feel. No, I, feel, I mean, we did it last week. And all Don't panic. And just not. Sis, sis, boom, boom, boom. That was really hard. So you remember that. Sis, sis, boom, boom, boom. I remember. 